This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 87, with guest Dr. Jamie Kalaga. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 87. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Very excited to have you here again for another episode. Before we get on to the interview, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Dr. Jamie. She is a yes woman turned superwoman. As a licensed mental health counselor, certified professional coach, and inspirational speaker, she has dedicated her life to helping women find balance and live their utmost fulfilled life. She's frequently featured in several of the nation's leading media outlets for her expertise in mental health and work-life balance. Can't wait to get into that topic with you. A few including Forbes, Maria Shriver's blog, Glamour, Self, and Prevention magazines. As observed in her book, The Superwoman's Guide to Super Fulfillment, Step-by-Step Strategies to Create Work-Life Balance, Dr. Jamie's foremost passion is empowering women. As someone who said yes to the point of nervous breakdowns and secret cry sessions in the bathroom, haven't we all had those? She knows the joy found in freedom and seeks to help women around the world achieve their unique balance, make bold decisions, steer the course and their own lives and find deep-seated super fulfillment. So without further ado, here is Dr. Jamie. Hey everyone, we are here again. Welcome to episode 87. I am interviewing Dr. Jamie today on something so important. It was kind of hilarious. We just like jumped on the phone and immediately started talking about work and life before we started recording. It's so true. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh, this is actually, I'm really excited to talk to you today because work-life balance is something that I get asked that question. You know, every time I do market research, if you will, with my audience and I say like, what do you guys want to hear more of? What do you want me to create classes around? A lot of people say work-life balance and it's really not my specialty. And so that's why I turn to people like you (laughs) to help us. (laughs) So I know that my listeners are really hungry for this information. And so let's just jump right in and let me ask you, do people know why they are struggling to achieve balance? I, I think that they do. I think we're very smart. Men and women are very smart. Um, but we don't know the tips and the tools to back ourselves out of the corner that we've put ourselves in. So truthfully, the reason that we're probably not balanced is we're not giving to our priorities and we say yes too much. That's typically what it's going to boil down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, so yeah, we know. But now what do we do about it? So we know, but we don't know how to get out of the corner. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna veer sort of off for a second because I, in my book, I wrote a chapter. I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but the chapter is called "Work-Life Balance Is a Crock of Shit." And yeah. basically, yeah. what I'm saying is that because I I make up and what I see is that there's a myth that it is some kind of tangible sort of like milepost that you get to, and you're like, I've achieved it, and then. What what happens is I see a lot of women feel really badly about themselves because they're so out of balance. They think that they're doing something wrong. So what do you think about that? 
I think balance is a feeling. So it's not something that you're like, okay, I've conquered it. It's a feeling inside. So that's why like when you, for example, with my book, um, it's very, each chapter at the end has an activity because the truth is, is work-life balance is very subjective. So you might feel balanced when you've got 14 jobs and your kids are this right. running around. If that gives you balance and you feel good and your family's good, then that's good. For me, that might not be balanced. Um, so it's not a post. It's not something we can identify. It's very subjective. That's true. And I, I love that because I, I definitely, and that's what I, I also talk about is that it looks different for everyone. It does. And I mean, you know, as well as I do that we compare ourselves and our lives to other people and always feel like we don't measure up. And we're making up a lot of stories along the way about other yeah. people and how they're figuring it all out. I mean, I'm using air quotes over here. But that but, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's one of the killers. In fact, this is early in the year. So to tie it even into goals, um, that's that's one of the killers of, of goals, of dreams, of running the balance in your life is that you're not comparing it to your life. What we often are doing is we're comparing it to reality TV. We're comparing it to the Joneses. We're comparing it to our neighbor. And when you're right, celebrities, oh my gosh. And when you do that, you're you're looking at everything you don't have, everything you can't achieve, or you're being you're not being realistic in stepping off your family or your goals on the right foot. You're, you're just, you're basing it on someone else's life. And honestly, you only see the cover of their story. Boy, do they have a lot in the chapters that you haven't even read yet about that. Very them. true. Very true. And so you, you mentioned that saying yes too much is a big challenge of finding work-life balance, which I know a lot of my listeners can relate to that. Are there any other big challenges that you've identified in finding work-life balance? Yeah. So other than saying yes, I would say the toxic people, you know, you, you hear about uh, business coaches going in because there's one negative person on a team and it takes the whole team down. Well, if one person can take an, one negative person can take an entire team down in your life up against you as a single person, one person can definitely take you down. So really ridding of those toxic people, um, I challenge all of my clients, all the listeners, create a list of all the toxic people in your life. These are the people that um, you know back you into a corner and make you say yes when you want to say no. They plant seeds of doubt in your mind when you want to step off a dream or a new path. They're the people that bring you up and down and up and down. Make a list of those people and either delete them out of your life altogether, and if you can't, set boundaries with them. Mm-hmm. My gosh, some people have an entire list of those people, I guess. Yeah. Well, the truth is, is an entire, I mean, honestly, one is a list when you have toxic people. Right. One person, <laughs> right? Take one up a lot of room. Yeah, it's so true. Um, but you might find if you really take time to self-reflect, it's not just like one major person. It could be the negative Nancy in the office that mm-hmm. is always gossiping, gossiping about how horrible work is, how dreadful it is. We have another project we have to do. I can't stand this system on the computer. It's just one negative thing after another that takes a toll on you who's sitting right next to them eight hours a day 40 hours a week mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because that's i'm glad that you clarified that because i think some people could think that it's only the people you know are really really close people and like well they're kind of they can kind of be a pain in the ass but for the most part they're okay but but yes it is those people that they they might even just be acquaintances like when you see yeah. them you're like oh God, I don't want to have this conversation again. Or, you know, like an uncle that always gets drunk and then starts ranting about his political views that are different than yours. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's those because I think toxic can be such a strong word. But I mean, even even just uh, negative or 
just someone who's not in alignment or way, maybe I should say like way out of alignment with you and your values and things like that. So I, I love that exercise. I give that exercise out a lot. And I think it's good to kind of like revisit it every once in a while. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. So we talk a lot about perfectionism here on the York Gas Life podcast. And yeah. so, I mean, this is sort of a dumb question, but maybe I should ask it like this. How does perfectionism hurt balance? Because we know the answer is yes, it does. So how does perfectionism hurt work-life balance? I always say when, when I'm on the radio or um, or summits, when people ask me this, I'm like, well, all women are perfect. So that really doesn't pertain to us. So next, next question, question please. Yeah. Next question, please. So I don't see where you're going with this. Um, <laughs> so um, no, the truth is, is um, perfection does hurt our success. And the reason behind that is perfection is, let's start here. Perfection is subjective. So what is Perfect to me is not perfect to you. So you are chasing something day in and day out that is non-existent. So not only is that energy draining, um, but it reduces your confidence. And confidence is what you need to get to the next level, what you need to get to succeed in life. In addition to that, when we hold ourselves to this perfectionism standard, it becomes a way of living in a habit. And oftentimes, the perfectionist then holds other people accountable to that. So now we begin to burn bridges because here's often the way that we'll we'll think, oh, I can't give him that project because he doesn't do it like I do it. She won't do it as quick as I do it. So before we know it, as a perfectionist, we have this plate full of duties and full of tasks that we could easily delegate out, but we don't. And so we just cycle on the same to-dos day in and day out and have no space on our plate to add bigger projects, projects that could lead to bigger success and more fulfillment because we're just keeping these on our plate. Now, if you're that perfectionist where a light bulb just went off and you're like, oh my God, I do that. Um, Then you find that we now delegate out these small tasks, but then we become the ever-dreaded micromanager. Mm -hmm. So now we're the control freak. Oh, my God. It's so bad. We just can't win. No, we can't win. (laughs) Darn it. Um, So we do. And and so now we hover over the person. How's it going? What are you doing? How are you doing it? Oh, let me give you my advice on this. Instead, we need to learn to delegate out and trust those around us, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. Um, You can set check-in dates, you can touch base here and there, but don't become that micromanager because supports is truly what you need and perfectionists are great and I did this at once. I was great at thinking I could take on the world and I burned the bridges with my support systems because they never felt worthy enough or good enough or Jamie won't thank me or Jamie will tell me I do it wrong anyway. Um, so perfectionist really has an impact on your success negatively. Oh my gosh. You know what? You telling that story just, I got to tell on myself for a minute here. So I'm really good at delegating and letting go of control in my business. And part of that comes from, I have a really amazing team. I've spent time, you know, getting the best people and, and I love them and treat them very well and pay them well. And so it all works out in my favor. So, and then there's my family. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) My my poor husband. My husband's the sweetest. So a couple of years ago, I had this big come to Jesus with him Mm -hmm. where I got to the point um, 
And and many of my listeners can relate to this, I'm sure. And Jamie, you can too. I my my best friend calls me the Owens the Owen family ops manager. I I run this house and yep. I am very good at it. And it, I had it was Halloween a few years ago and I was online buying the right Halloween costumes and I don't know what my husband was doing. He was probably like tinkering around in the garage or like reading a magazine or something. And I was like, God damn it. Like I'm done with this. So I sat down and I made a list of all of the things that I was responsible for in the house. And I made a list of all the things that he's responsible for in the house. He had three things on his list. I had 25. And that was just the things like from the top of my head that I wrote down in 10 minutes. So, and I, and let me, let me just say you guys, like I could have handled this way better than I did. <laughs> and I did have to circle back and apologize to my Let husband. Let me preface this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I basically dropped a bomb and was like, this is what's happening. We need to figure something out. And he even said, as we're having the talk slash argument, he's like, I will do it, Andrea. You need to tell me what it is and you need to let me do it. And I'm looking at the list and there was nothing on there I wanted to delegate. I was like, yeah. I yeah. want to be in charge of all this because, like, I didn't say this at the time, but I'm like, I don't trust that you're going to do it right. right. So yeah. fast forward, I did delegate a few things, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. And he one time snapped at me, and he was like, I am so tired of your micromanaging. Like, you need to stop it. And so I totally, yeah, I got my ass chewed out. And he was absolutely right. I mean, that is that is so difficult, I think, in both work and at home and maybe even in friendships. But I think a lot of partners and wives and, and even husbands can relate to having a really hard time letting someone else do a job that they know that they could do differently. I'm not saying better, differently. That's absolutely true. And that's actually something I write in the book um, about a, a husband going out to get eggs. And then he comes back and you open the eggs and two of them are broken. broken. And then you're like, oh, my God, didn't you open up the eggs and check them before you brought them home? Are you an idiot? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like really, it's not the end of the world. You're going to crack the egg anyway. Um, so, but, you know, let, let people learn. That's a small example. But allow them to feel safe to make a few mistakes to kind of learn. Because once you allow them to learn, that's off of your plate. Mm-hmm. That's it, then you can breathe and maybe not even breathe to take on a bigger project, maybe just to breathe, to breathe. So yeah. you can go to the gym so you can take a nap. If you want to go lay in the hammock, if you want to try something new, like you are allowed to have you time too. And you know, some of us can't even fathom that right now, uh, but it's, it's necessary. And by delegating out and trusting people, you can get to that level where you have time to, to do for you. Mm-hmm. What, you know what else? I, I love that. And that what else I have found that's really important in that whole lesson and the reason I told that story is because also in the lesson of learning to delegate and trust and letting go, my listeners know that I have a, I, surrender is probably the hardest thing that I still struggle with. It's a one day at a time gig. But um, it's also communicating with my husband. And, you know, this could be at work, too, is instead of flying off the handle when he comes home with two broken eggs there is definitely a way to say, and and I've learned to communicate. My best friend, Amy Smith, she's she's also a podcaster and life coach. Like, she's the queen of communication, and she taught me this. She's like, always start with kindness and, like, say, thank you so much for getting the eggs, and I'm so happy that you've taken on responsibility. Can you do this for me and just check them before – because sometimes they're broken and, you know. Like, that that is a way different impact. Totally. <laughs> then, didn't you check the eggs? You know, because I've, I've done that. I mean, even, like – 
laundry and like drying my daughter's sweater that has these little jewels on it and I'm like they fall off in the dryer yes. don't dry it yep yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's no. definitely a kind way to make known what you need to be known and instead of being an asshole. It's, it's called, it's called, it's so true. And it's called the sandwich approach. So try to remember that, um, everyone who's listening. So you want to say something nice and then say what you need fixed and then close it with something nice. Um, I've never so that, heard that. What a great yeah, metaphor. Yeah, yeah. So it's a sandwich approach. And you know, one thing that's very important as we kind of bring in relationships here, um, there's, a, there's a great painting activity that I, I, I play with my clients. And um, so you have this white piece of computer paper in front of you. And you've got eight different colors on the side. And you dip the paint in each of the colors, one at a time, and make a blot on the white piece of paper based on something you said or did that was hurtful to your spouse or partner. So in your case, you might be like, okay, I'm going to dip it in the, in the yellow, uh, make a little blot. I yelled at him for the eggs, okay. And then maybe, you know, a red blot because really, really big, you're going to make this blot because you really cut him down and now he's like over it and he's screaming at you and, and you realize, wow, I am a micromanager and this, this person that he says I am. So you make a big blot. So at the end of the eight colors, I give you a uh, washcloth dipped in water and I tell you, I want you to get my paper back to the color white. And so the client will look at me and well, I, I can't do that. This is paint on white paper. And I just, just try. So they try and then they try to hand me back the, the washcloth and they say, you see, I, I can't do it. Well, try again. So I haven't tried. Obviously, now they're rolling their eyes. They're like, you're wasting my hour. Am I really paying you for this? <laughs> and then and then I say, okay, keep trying. So then now they really try um, and they try very, very hard. Um, and, and then the point is, you can't do it. So when you say or do something to your spouse or partner that is hurtful, you have in some degree stained the relationship. So even though you're going to work to change, even though you said you're sorry a million times, you have stained it even a little bit, even if it's faded. So remember that when you're talking and interacting with someone that you love, that every interaction does make an imprint or a stain on that relationship. So retreat, rethink, and then react before just reacting um, in a situation with a partner or spouse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that even goes for coworkers too. Yeah, absolutely. Every relationship you have, you're, you're making some type of stain or imprint on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking of volatile conversations, let's talk a minute about emotions. So do you think that um, like our emotions and feelings can get us out of balance? <gasps> absolutely. Yes. Anger. Anger loves to do that. That's for sure. Anger can do that. Anxiety can do that. And sadness can do it. They're some of the strongest emotions um, that a human can have. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, of feeling what you need to feel and because, uh, you know, I'm not, not, I don't even know if they're out there. I'm sure there are, but like there's some, you know, personal development people who are just like good vibes only and, no. you know, just <laughs> change your yeah. thoughts to happy ones. And I'm like, I don't know what planet y'all are living on, right? No. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes life is hard. <laughs> life is hard. It is. And so while you should feel what you need to feel. Allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to be angry. I mean, that's just part of the human body. We've mm -hmm. got to, it's in the way that you handle it during the emotion that matters. So, well, um, you might be angry instead of hitting your spouse with a frying pan over the head or oh cutting God. them down, right? <laughs> um, 
that's when you journal, that's when you go for a run, that's when you channel your energy into writing your book or, you know, one of the things I talk about in the in the book is if you want to get the best revenge, if you have the most anger, channel it into something you love because um, being successful is the best revenge. It, it, you know, if you can program your mind to think that, you're going to take your anger and instead of spending it on dwelling and ruminating and vengefulness, you're spending on something that's actually going to take you forward in life and then ultimately give you those good vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you also talk about the importance of, of prioritizing over the ability to simply just juggle more efficiently, which I think yeah. we're all kind of trying to do. So is that something that's especially difficult for a lot of people to accept? It is initially, um, uh, again, with the activities here, um, I encourage everyone to make a list of all of the life roles that we do. Um, so that is, you know, mother or father, that spouse, that's coworker, it's caregiver, taxi uh, driver, taxi driver, tutor. tutor, yes, so you dog walker, family mm-hmm. CPA. So you make a list of all these roles that you do, and then you circle the top five. The catch is you have to be on the list, which no one has ever in any workshop I've ever done yet, no no woman has put me on the list. So I go ahead and write in the book in this activity, I put the word me for you on the first line. And then you'll come up with four more life roles that are the most important out of this list that you have. And typically women have 15 to 25. Mm-hmm. So you circle the top five. These are the five that you give 100% dedicated time to. So I'll have people that say, are you kidding me? I have a million other things to do. This doesn't mean all you focus on are these five roles. What it means is that when you're in the moment with that role, you're giving 100% dedicated time. It's that in the moment time, it's the quality versus quantity. So while you don't have to spend four hours a day with your children, get on the floor for 25 or 30 minutes, read a book with them, play Thomas the Train, play Cars, whatever it might be, and then they're more accepting when you get up to walk away to go do what you need to do on your list. They're more accepting and you have less guilt. Mm-hmm. Same with date nights. Date nights, when you finally have a sitter, are not for, you know, talking about how much you hate your job and the fact that, you know, little little Doug has F's in school right now. Leave the kids out of it. Talk about intimacy or, you know, flirt a little bit. Talk about some of the good past or things you have to look forward to in the future. Be present in the moment at that dinner with your spouse. And then when you have a million other things to do, they've been satisfied. So again, you're guilt-free and they're satisfied. I love that. And what my husband and I do is we sort of do a version of that because I, you know, I heard that advice somewhere before where it's like, go on date night and don't talk about your kids. And I'm just like, first I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Right. And I, 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 think it's, I think it's possible, but I think it's a challenge. So what we do is we really only talk about the things that are really important and the things that we can't discuss about them in their presence. So we do that and then we're on to other things and we talk about work and future and plans for the house and stuff like that. So we make it work. Good. Couples need that. You know, they need that time to just flirt and have some downtime um, and, and just be together to really um, satisfy both of each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So speaking of family and loved ones, how does implementing these tips, th- how does that impact our family? Because I, I know it's probably a lot. It is. It makes us a lot stronger. I think it makes the family more productive too um, because it's not about the quantity of time you're spending. It's the quality. So now you've got this strong bond, but you also have 
you know, more time to do other things to get them done very productively. Multitasking can be very dangerous. So I think it makes the family bond stronger and it makes the productivity within the family stronger as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And two, when you feel when you feel satisfied with your family and your family's more satisfied with you, you feel in balance, you have more time to be grateful and look at what you have, what you've created and how how happy you are with what you've created. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and since we're kind of like in the beginning of, of the year still, discuss your bucket list challenge and why the time, why you feel like the time is now to start crossing off things on your list to make you more happy. Um, yeah. So I've created this new bucket list challenge. So if I asked you to create a bucket list, you would probably put, and I know that I would have back in the day, put like 400 different tropical islands that I want to go to. <laughs> um, and then you throw the PhD on there. And then you're like, okay, yes, I'm going to do all this. Um, the problem with that is that let's say you, you're planning a trip to Fiji um, with your spouse. We make so many sacrifices today for that trip that's three years down the road. So we stop date nights because we're saving money. Um, we stop family nights. We are going to start working overtime. We become more stressed. We have less time together. And we sacrifice all these things that we would have today, all the bits of happiness today um, for this trip. So what I've decided is while you can have the PhD on there, while you can have a, a couple tropical islands on there, put things on your bucket list that you can do today. You could do this weekend or you can do this month. So let's say you're saying, you know, yeah, and I've lived here for 10 years and I've never gone to that park. I'm going to go to that park and have a picnic. You know, I really want to try horseback riding. I want to try paddle boarding. I've never done kayaking. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, just these smaller things that could add bits of fulfillment and happiness to your life today. That's the new bucket list. So you're tomorrow, you're five years down the road with that trip to Fiji. It's not promised to you. So let's, while we can plan for those things, let's make sure that we're creating fulfillment and happiness today. I love that. You know what that made me think of? So yes, because I think so many of us put things like climb Mount Everest and yeah, yeah, get, get my PhD and become a doctor and things like that. So yeah, what, what I do is, because years ago, I really, really wanted to play roller derby. And so I went out and did it. And then I got old. And so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> derby hurts. And so what meant that I was like hungry for something else. And I actually had a client who did one of those Reebok Spartan races. And I'm like, that's badass. Like, I don't know if I could do that. So the minute I tell my, like, think that I don't know if I could do that, then there's like the voice that's like, oh, oh now you have to. I have that voice. I yeah. Have that. No, well, now you have to because I always yeah. love a good challenge. And so I decided to do it. And so I consider those bucket list type things because like – I think any time that you're I, I had a, a different client that used the word scared sighted, which I love because it scared the crap out of me and at the same time made me excited and is a challenge. So I consider those bucket list things. Like I think that's I, I think little things like that are awesome. They're they like are, big little things. They are and remember they don't have to be perfect, going back to perfectionism. So one of the things that I wanted to do was zip line. Okay. So ultimately the bucket list is zip line. Well now I've attached I want a zip line through Hawaii with the cabana boy, Jose is like strapped to my back and we're going down like these mountains and he's picking me roses as we go down the zip line and we're through waterfalls, right? Okay, that's not going to happen. And if it did, I'd probably end up divorced. Right. So, right? So, I, so I was like, oh, I guess I just can't zip line. And I was like, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be so perfect. 
Um, so actually, the Museum of Science and Industry in our local community has a, a zip line. I was like, why don't I just do it? And then if I ever can, zip line through Hawaii with Carlos on my back through the rainforest, um, then I can do that too. But zip line is ultimately what I wanted to try. So I did. I went to Mosey, I ziplined, there was no cabana boy, there was a, like a heavier girl that pushed me off, and so it was nothing like it, but I ziplined and I did it. So remember that you don't have to have the perfect everything to do some of these small things, but I had a blast and I mm -hmm. laughed and I that's freaked out, and that's the point, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so you talk about getting rid of the shoulds, the have tos, and the negative self-talk, which negative self-talk is something we talk about a lot over here on the podcast. So tell us more about how this affects us daily. Yeah, so you're, you're literally spending hundreds and maybe even thousands of times a day brainwashing yourself into anxiety because the shoulds, the woulds, and the couldas, those are anxiety-provoking words on an unconscious level. So when you're like, oh, I should have done that. Oh, I could have done that. Why didn't I do that? What was I thinking? That's just this negative talking to yourself every minute of the day. And it might be small, but small isn't so small when you do it 150 times a day mm -hmm. times 30 years of your life. Right. Um, you really beat up your confidence and and fail to highlight your successes. And then, and, and people laugh when I say this, but can you imagine if you woke up and you're like, wow, I woke up and my hair looks great. Some, I look great today. Oh my God, I'm gonna have a great day at work. Darn, I did a good job on that. Oh my God, I took the right route to work. Mm -hmm. You know, go me. I mean, how we never do that. We never talk so kind and have such self-compassion that we have no problem beating ourselves up. So um, there is no fix if anyone tells you that there is a fix for self-talk, there's not. Um, it's just starting small and starting to become aware. Wow, I, I did say that. I do talk down to myself. Becoming aware and then slowly changing the way you talk to yourself. And it's gonna take a while. If it took 30, 40, 50 years to make you a certain way, it's gonna take a while to retrain the way you think and that's okay. Allow yourself that time. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree with everything that you said. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of challenge the, because I, I do think that you can't fix it. And what I like to say is that you can't eradicate it because I think yep. what, and what happens is I get people who I talk to who are interested in my groups or coaching and I ask them what their goals are and they say like, I want to stop the negative self-talk. And that's one of the first things I mention is if you have a brain, you're going to, you're going to have some varying degree of negative self-talk. Yep. So what what I like to tell people is exactly what you said. It's like, if you, I, I like to use like the, the analogy of the very messy kitchen. Like if you walk into your kitchen and don't touch anything and the lights are all off, like it just is a kitchen. Like you yep. don't know what's really happening. And so what I people, what I have people do is turn the lights on. And in this, like the hardest and kind of like messiest part of what, it, what are you actually saying to yourself around the topic of your body? What are you actually saying to yourself when shit hits the fan with your kids in your marriage, at work, and all of these like really hard instances? And then uh, what I have people do is is like that awareness piece is probably like more than half the battle. Yeah. And then um, what I like to do is tell and, and you know if anyone's listening who's brand new to me or or because you know, I, I talk about this all the time is. And this might be a repeat for some people that have heard this a million times is I love mantras. Mm -hmm. 
And what I tell myself when I hear myself under, you know, negative self-talk is, okay, well, that just happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I can move on. And my negative self-talk, like, honestly, Jamie, has reduced dramatically yep. in the eight or nine years that I've been working on it. Like, now when I hear it, it's like I hear it right away, and I'm almost surprised by it. And I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. I love it. I, and I just watched this thing with um, J-Lo was on some type of talk show, and she talked about how in her 20s she thought she knew everything, and then in her 30s she realized I knew nothing in my 20s, and now she's in her 40s, and she's like, and now I sit back and I say, wow, I'm really good at what I do. I'm the smartest woman in this room. I've got this, mm -hmm. you know, and it, I think it is. It's a progression of, of saying, wow, that just happened. But being able to say, okay, I can march on. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ruminate, dwell live and beat myself up and right. live in it. You know, just that's stop. the difference. It just happened. Let's just march on. We'll that's figure exactly. this out. <laughs> and that's, that's the point that I also want to want to leave this topic with is like, that's what the difference is. Like I want to get people to a place of, of just having, yes, having less self-talk and just not living in it. Cause I think a lot of people like that's, they're constantly in that loop of negative self-talk and braiding themselves and comparing themselves to other women and then more negative self-talk and judging yourself. And, oh my gosh, I could talk about that all day long. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, just acknowledge that it happened and learn from it and march on. It's not the end of the world. You're, you're smart enough and you're successful enough to whatever problem you got yourself into, you're going to get yourself out of it. So just switch mm -hmm. to um, right self-compassion and solution-focused. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. And please tell people where they can find you and where they can grab your book. Awesome. You can go right to drjamiek.com, drjamiek.com, um, and you can find all the information on coaching, on the book, everything. Everything's right there. Awesome. Jamie, I wish you were my neighbor. We are soul oh, sisters. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm feeling the vibe. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And everyone, again, thank you so much for listening. I love that you're here. I appreciate it so much. And until I see you next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.